being able to give people the benefit of the doubt and not having to go all the way down the rabbit hole matters a whole lot. And that's ideally, you know, when two people do collaboratively escalate something, in an ideal world, you are able to just talk about the issue that's sitting on the surface and trust that it's that issue all the way down. And sometimes that's not the case at all. Sometimes you get a few layers down and there's actually some personal issue or some other set of things that's actually driving the disagreement in the first place. I'm Ben Grenell, part of the growing team here at Levels. We're a venture-funded startup backed by more than a thousand of our community members and some of the best VCs in the game, including Andreessen Horowitz. On this podcast, we talk about everything we do. We share the learnings about our culture and what we're building along the way. This is Inside the Company. There's something weird about this word escalation. What exactly does it mean? And how do we typically use it? When we think of the word escalation, it's got a bad connotation to it. Often we think escalation is almost this threatening way of saying, hey, we disagree on something and I'm gonna escalate this. It's a way of saying, I have more influence over you and we don't agree on the approach that needs to be taken. Well, if we remove that, that is very much this idea of not defaulting to trust and not defaulting to this positive sentiment in thinking that two sides are leaders, two sides are professionals that are trying to work through a problem collaboratively. And so we've got this word we started using internally, collaborative escalation. And the idea is to remove the bias that comes or maybe the sentiment that comes with the idea of the word escalation. Escalation often feels in organizations like this backdoor tactic for people to get their way, maybe for people to manipulate their way to get the answer or the solution that they want. That being the outcome, that being whatever path forward is pursued. And so Sam Korkos, co-founder and CEO of Levels, and Zach Henderson, head of legal, the two of them sat down and they discussed this idea of collaborative escalation. It's something that we started using internally as a lever for two people to resolve issues together. Sometimes people can have two opinions that might be differing or opposing in their outlook, but it doesn't necessarily mean that things are tense. It can have to do with even things like resource allocation. What do you do if there are two teams that both have competing initiatives or competing resourcing requirements and the opportunity cost of using the resources is directly opposed at each other? How do you resolve it together if you can't come to a solution? Well, maybe you're very much in sync and you always do come to solutions. But often, if you're both trying to achieve your goals, it can be kind of difficult. And so you need someone else to step in independently and help to escalate or collaboratively resolve that issue together. Without collaborative escalation, it can become very gossipy or very toxic within an organization. You see this idea of leeching the trust from within the organization if things start to become these backdoor conversations. Two people may not be aligned and one goes to another and next thing you know, there's some solution, there's some resolution that didn't involve the two parties or both of the people that initially kicked it off. And so the idea of collaboratively escalating initiatives and projects and maybe disagreements internally, it's something that we've doubled down on. We want to make sure that if there is not collaborative escalation happening, then there's probably some deeper issue where people are worried about the optics or maybe the visibility of this idea of escalating something. It should be thought of as positive and it's not a bad thing. It helps to resolve and unblock things faster than letting them stew for a long time. Anyway, no need to wait. 
Here's Sam and Zach with Collaborative Escalation. It seems to be a really important aspect of just collaborating with other people. But I've also noticed as recently as last week that I wonder how much of this just has to do with language. There's this sense that we had a couple people on the team and I mentioned that it's normal for their uh, departments, if you will, to have goals that are somewhat in conflict with another department's. You're probably on the other side of this all the time in legal. Yep. There are things that legal would like, and there are things that other departments want that are maybe at least somewhat in conflict with that. And so it's about figuring out what that middle ground is. But it's also okay that there will come a point when that decision has to be made by somebody not in one of those two departments. I think in some of these situations, like uh, we'll take legal as an example. If you never escalate something to me because of a disagreement with somebody else, I'm going to be worried that you are not advocating for legal in the way that you're responsible for. But if it's done in a way that's like behind people's back, it Mm -hmm. will feel antagonistic and negative. If it's done collaboratively, like, hey, it's okay that I want this and you want that. This makes sense given our goals. We need to figure out what the decision is here. We need to take this to Sam or somebody, whoever that decision maker is, and basically decide which path we're going and then commit to that going forward. Uh, but I wonder the the language escalation specifically, we call it mm-hmm. collaborative escalation. Uh, I'm starting to realize that people don't like escalating things. An escalation feels like something bad has happened. Right. Um, like I was I was watching a recording of somebody talking about collaborative escalation. And they said, like, we might have to, but they said, but I hope it doesn't come to that. Like, that's like, it's a really bad thing. It's like, no, it's, it's okay. It's normal for this to happen when there's a disagreement in good faith. And so I wonder, I don't know, I, I wonder if there's a language component here, or if there's some other way that we could frame it that would help people. It's a, it's a great point. Um, you know, to, to return to the, one of the first things that you mentioned, you know, legal is a great example. This is true throughout all departments in the company. But, you know, I think one of the reasons why many attorneys end up going astray in the in-house context is because we're taught to be zealous advocates for our client or for our position or what have you. And that doesn't mean that you have an emotional attachment to your position, but it does mean that you take the view of, I'm going to defend this viewpoint to its logical conclusion, and then someone is going to be the arbiter and decide it. So the legal process is interesting because outside of the in-house role, there's an implicit understanding that there's a decision maker. It's all getting collaboratively escalated. That's what litigation is. Litigation is this uh, sometimes antagonistic, sometimes not act of collaboratively escalating to a judge, and and then it gets done. Uh, In the in-house context, many lawyers will get stuck in one of two boats. They will either be zealous advocates for the legal position and completely miss the business case and then just become blockers. And maybe things are getting escalated all the time and legal feels uncomfortable. Or the scenario you're pointing out, they end up not really being zealous advocates for the legal issue at all and put on, they, they wear the business hat so tightly that they forget that there's this other obligation that they have too. And you know, talking about the reframing from 
the language of escalation to something else. That that may be right because it strikes me that you know the, the core problem that people are often encountering is making this some kind of an emotional attachment instead of saying it's my you know uh, as a data scientist it's my job to try to get levels the very best quality data that I can for whatever they're doing and so I'm going to really push the ball forward and say no we need accurate precise data in all cases and maybe someone on the other side product or engineering or what have you comes in and says yeah yeah I hear that but we actually don't need we don't need that kind of granularity we need you to stop over here there's a tension so if there's an emotional attachment, we have a problem, but maybe the issue is just, hey, Sam needs to really identify uh, where that line actually is. How much granularity do we need? Data science thinks it's this much. Product or engineering thinks it's that much. And it's less about escalation and more around helping us draw the line in the proper place, given the company's direction. How do you do that? Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of the, the legal context as one where you kind of are effectively collaborative. It's not super collaborative. <laughs> right. That's, that's why we don't think of it that way. Uh, it's supposed to be collaborative. You know, you can still be buddies with the person on the other side, yeah. but it devolves pretty quickly in that context. Yeah, for sure. Like in theory, you're both just making the strongest possible case that's right. for your point. However, there, there's definitely a degree to which you're making too strong a case for something that's not particularly strong. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we, you know, to not to go too yeah, far yeah. down that rabbit hole, but there's trial focused work where really you care about the judge, but you're really trying to make an emotional argument to a bunch of jurists. And that's right. that's where a lot of that tension comes from. But then when you get to appellate argumentation, which is the the escalatory process after the jury, then you tend to find a lot more collegiality because you're purely debating legal issues and it's going just before a judge. So emotions actually tend to hurt you in that context. Your mm -hmm. your best service to your client is by making making the the wise argument as opposed to the emotionally charged one, which often works mm. in the jury context. Interesting. I do wonder, do judges, when a judge is listening to the arguments of mm -hmm. all at, uh, both sides of a case, and in, in the jury context, it seems like there's really no penalty for making bad emotionally charged arguments that are loosely based on fact. Does a judge hold that against like let's say you're the plaintiff and you're making like a really bad emotional set of arguments is mm -hmm. the judge likely to hold it against that person that you know, even though they are making the strongest case it's just not very well founded i think nearly every judge would say no uh they they do not but or, or i should say every judge would say they do their very best effort not to. I think that is true that they don't for most judges. But you know, there are marginal cases. You can you can present something in so bad a faith a way that you kind of can't help but leave an impression on on the judge. Uh, you know, I think in the really hard cases, probably not. But I think what what it ends up doing is uh, it creates work for the judge because you're less reliable. So if you are a very emotional uh, appellate advocate you're probably harder to trust. The judge may feel the need to doubt your representations sure. and facts more. So one thing that you do as an appellate advocate all the time is reference and cite past case law. Many judges will do their very best to go back and review every one of those things. But if, if there are 30 cases and you have a tight docket, you're probably relying upon the attorneys to be honest some of the time. Every once in a while, an appellate attorney will present 
a case asking the judge to rely on it, but maybe that case has been overturned or uh, it's it's known that that case is actually kind of BS and nobody relies on it. So your credibility does matter a lot. And so what I would say is the emotional case is one of the fastest paths to, to shooting down your credibility and the judge will not take your good points for granted in the same way that they would with someone who has gained a reputation for being you know, ethical and high confidence. Interesting. This analogy is is more similar than I had anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust and confidence matters a yeah. lot, uh, and being able to give people uh, the benefit of the doubt and not having to go all the way down the rabbit hole, you know, uh, matters a whole lot. And that's ideally, you know, when when two people do collaboratively escalate something in an ideal world, you are able to just talk about the issue that's sitting on the surface and trust that it's that issue all the way down. And sometimes that's not the case at all. Sometimes you, you get a few layers down and there's actually some personal issue or some other set of things that's actually driving the disagreement in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder, circling back to the earlier uh, framing question, is how how does collaborative escalation in your mind tie into gossip culture, which I know is something that we've we actively try to uh, fight against? Yeah. You know... <laughs> I'm not sure whether you know. Th- there's there's some kind of chicken or egg thing here because people who are not prone to gossip are going to be much more naturally inclined to say, "Hey, let's work on this together." And if we can't, let's let's go to a third party and and get some help. That's that's very much the thing that someone committed to solving the problem without resorting to gossip would naturally do. Uh, the flip side, though, is it's you know for for, for most of us we have a tendency to want to seek validation for our thoughts and points, especially if we feel like someone else is getting it really wrong. And it may not be the case that our natural inclination is to kind of break through that the, the challenging barrier of saying, hey, I think we're really disagreeing here. We should talk about this more. Maybe the normal path for most of us is to talk to somebody else about it, let off some steam, uh, what have you. If collaborative escalation is the clear and known path to resolving those kinds of uh, barriers, it's it's sort of an off ramp from the gossip path, and and I think it's a it's a clear it's clear showing that there is a a, a better way. I, I think candidly, many people just think that the only way forward is either to you know go gossip and talk about it, and at some point, at some point, the boss is going to see how stupid of an idea that is, and and it'll get resolved, and then you'll pat yourself on the back a little bit and move on. Um, or maybe you you just get into a fight with the person and try to win the debate, right? And if those are your options, either win at the other person's expense or gossip and wait for the problem to sort itself out, uh, neither of those options look very good. So collaborative escalation is is that middle path that can that can actually keep you from doing either of those destructive things. It's making sure we're aligned on definitions here. The idea yeah. of collaborative escalation is like if two if two people in good faith disagree about something, which often is just normal like mm-hmm. growth and product will at some point have a resourcing trade-off that needs to be made between the two orgs mm-hmm. ultimately the only person who can make that decision is me right and so it's normal for growth and product to say hey we need to do growth wants these things product wants these things how do we determine what resourcing we apply and then we change scope we move resourcing around and we agree to what the next steps are um, whereas gossip is or really the the alternative to collaborative escalation is yeah. I think it's either non-collaborative 
or it's a non-escalation, <laughs> like both of which are right. bad. The idea of collaborative is that both parties who have a case to make for their position bring it to the decision maker and they say, I want X. And the other person says, I want Y. And then we just figure out what decision to make there, uh, as opposed to non-collaborative escalation, which is from one org, like having a side conversation with a decision maker saying, I don't like what so-and-so is doing. I think they're wrong. I think we should do it this way. And then the other person says, well, I don't like what so-and-so is doing. I think it should be done this way. But these are happening separately. And it really erodes trust because right. nobody knows what's being said. And it also is just really inefficient. It's a lot of side conversations. Uh, and the other, I think, is not escalating at all, mm -hmm. where somebody has like serious reservations about something and they just sort of sit idly by and don't take ownership of the decision. And they just say like, oh, man, can you believe so-and-so did this? It's like, did you tell them that? Have you escalated this? Like, this is your responsibility. And I, I think in both of those cases, if it's either not escalated or it's not done collaboratively, it's ultimately gossip is the outcome, which yeah, is that, that people. Makes sense. Yeah, it's like people having these side conversations. And I think I might challenge something that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. maybe just the, the language of it, which is you mentioned somebody resorting to gossip. I, I think of the term like somebody resorting to something when they have exhausted all options and it's their last mm. choice, as opposed to, I think a lot of people just have never learned this skill. Yeah. And so it's like they, they, they fall back on what they learned in middle school as like how to resolve problems because mm -hmm. they've never learned how they've never learned how to use language in the right way in order to solve problems. I, I think that's right. And and I I definitely accept that correction. It's it's often not a resort so much as it is it is the way that many people default to working through work challenges, interpersonal challenges, etc. Uh I, I think I find it interesting because it's, it's one of those insidious challenges that, you know, a lot of our default is to try to talk through things with people. And we might have really good intentions when we do that. But this is certainly one of those situations where whether we have good intentions or bad intentions, the act of having that separate conversation with the other person not present, it's it's inevitably destructive. There's, there's no way that it ends up being anything but destructive. Uh, we can't help but characterize things from our point of view, our, our point of view is the only one we have. And so, you know, even, even if you are being very careful to not be disparaging, and I see this all the time when people talk about things, but they are sure they're not go gossiping, they will say things like, you know, not to disparage them or anything, but and then they'll go on their thing. Well, at its root, if we don't have their perspective, and you're setting the table without them present, then there's our problem, no matter how, gil how gilded you make your complaint or what have you. I've never heard more offensive statements than anything prefaced by no offense, but no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder how do we how do we make this more? I don't want to say socially acceptable, but more like, how do we make collaborative escalation more ingrained in our culture? Because we, we, we loosely, I think maybe we just need to be more explicit about this, follow some of these concepts around like a racing matrix. When you are yep. a consultant to a project, what is expected of you? You do not have veto power. Uh, interestingly, I'm writing up 
a memo and hopefully doing a podcast on this idea of influence without authority. Mm -hmm. That's really what a consultant is. Right. Is you don't have any formal authority here, but you have influence. Mm -hmm. And it's your job to make sure that things are done correctly. And if things are unsafe, if things are, uh, if, if you object to it so strenuously that you cannot commit to this going forward, you have to escalate it. That's a that's a responsibility. It's not a failure mode. So you have to collaboratively escalate it as well with the person who's responsible for the project. So how do we make this more uh, ingrained in the way that we operate day to day? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, a starting point of that question and something that you and I have chatted a little bit about before and that I struggled with when I was writing our internal collaborative escalation memo is... For what for what groups is this idea of collaborative escalation appropriate? You know, because this will seem foreign to some people, maybe many people who just grew up in different work environments, et cetera. And it's possible that some people might think, oh, you know, collaborative escalation is something that the heads will will do between each other when 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 you know departments uh, have a disagreement and they need to go to Sam, or maybe if if someone is explicitly a consultant, and there's a there's a directly responsible individual. It could happen there, but for all of these other disagreements, I guess that's not that's not on the table. So I wonder if that's that's a, a one of the first things to just nail down is you know is, is collaborative escalation a tool that everybody should be thinking about? Is it in everybody's toolbox or only in certain situations? Wh when is this appropriate? It's uh, one of those things where if we have more good models mm -hmm. of when it's been done really well, yep. Uh, it can probably help people to understand uh, where they fit mm -hmm. into that stack. Um, we just don't have very many of them right now. Um, yeah, the it's like when when we started doing a better job of giving people direct feedback. Mm -hmm. When we recorded some podcasts on it, we gave some examples. We started showing more of this at the company level on what good feedback what it what it means to give good direct feedback. Uh, we started seeing more of that across the company once we had a good model for it. Um, I, I wonder if part of the reason why, uh, why why we don't have more people doing this, because I know there have been situations, even in the last couple months, where something should have been collaboratively escalated yes. and it was not. Um, I wonder how much of this is simply due to the nature of the language. Like, escalation sounds scary i think for a lot of these things the language really does matter like one of the reasons why mm -hmm. uh josh and i were talking about this there's the idea uh, that shopify has of trust is earned mm -hmm. and why we we have gone with confidence is earned and we we talked about this i think in a previous podcast but there is a difference in people's perception of those two words like saying i don't trust you is like a deep look into your soul that you are a low integrity person. <laughs> Whereas saying like, I don't have confidence that we are delivering consistently to the degree that I need it to in order to feel like I don't need to constantly pay attention to this project. Those are those really are different things. I do think that trust is also earned. But it's not meant in the same way. As I think that uh, we had been previously using it. So switching it to confidence, I think really uh, really solve that problem. And it really just came down to a language thing. So I wonder if there's something we can, if there's something we can do about the way that we're framing us so that bringing these things to the surface 
and resolving disagreements isn't seen as such like a hostile last resort sort of thing. I think that's right. I, I mean, the the word escalation, it's it's hard to get around its connotation. You know, anytime we hear the word escalate, that that sounds like a bad thing. No one's thinking about an escalator. They're thinking about making yeah. things worse. Right. Uh, so I, I think that point is really well taken. If, if we think about what the you know, obviously collaboration is is the is the core thing that we're driving at. If if people are disagreeing in a collaborative way from start to finish, then it's sort of inevitable that their disagreement will ultimately move up up the ladder. So focusing on the collaboration piece is is certainly the most critical thing. You know, uh, disagreeing together, uh, collaborative, you know, surfacing collaboratively, something that is more on the side of keeping this disagreement out in the open together as opposed to, you know, I, I think I think escalation is a cudgel. Uh, that's how it's often viewed. People threaten to escalate things. It's not often something people do together. So I definitely think a language change could be huge there. I'll even note that some of the comments that I've I've seen in the memo itself, there aren't there aren't many at this point, but they give that feel of, oh, this is a big scary deal. Um Maybe the, the the other thing that I do think about that might be a hesitation is we are super sensitive about respecting each other's time. And I think there's probably a hard to nail down barrier for some people in the context of taking up the, the next person up's time with an issue that maybe they feel like they should be able to resolve themselves. So I think that may be the second piece of the challenge of even the uh, escalation language. Escalation sounds like taking up your manager's time in a way that I think we're often hesitant to do. Yeah, it's it's a good point because the more I think about it, like if you're having an argument with your wife, do you immediately think we should escalate this or we should de-escalate this? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you can both be operating in good faith and typically you're looking for a de-escalation. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, so, so you're you're really convincing me that, I, you know, I think it's one of those times where if you're looking at it from sort of the logician's point of view and just looking at word definitions, collaborative escalation is just fine. But we're we're missing the connotation uh, a little bit of of how that word is received, and it's probably worth a, a relook. Yeah. So I wonder what um, what would that look like? Because collaborative is, I think, really the point. Mm -hmm. Like. That's that's one of the most important things because things often get escalated in general, either through like back channel gossip or through mm -hmm. other ways, which are all bad, but they often happen. And so I wonder, I, I was talking with Moz about this and he said, it, this really just is collaboration. Like, yeah, we don't need to, the, the word escalation is almost redundant there. Like if you're collaborating well with people, you know when you have a disagreement and you know when you need to you know when you need to loop in a decision maker to make a final call on something um but that feels like saying collaboration it feels insufficiently specific to solve this acute problem that i know that we need to solve mm -hmm. so another of our core values of course is disagree and commit and Collaboration is one of the things that happens in the in-between space of disagree and commit. I wonder if there's yeah. something there, you know, not not to not to tweak a maxim, but I think what we're probably going for is something like 
disagree, collaborate, and commit. Really, uh, there's there, there 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 is this middle piece where you know we need people to disagree. We need to tease the very best ideas out. We need to be zealous advocates for the things mm-hmm. that are important to the company. We need to get to commitment one way or the other. All all good decisions end in team wide commitment of the decision that is ultimately made. But maybe that middle piece is. Uh, the mandate to collaborate. So I, I don't know how that sits with you, but I, I think all, I, I guess maybe the, to get a little bit more meta about it, all of the things, all of the phrases that I, I think of sit next to disagree and commit a little funny because I'm thinking about disagree yeah. and collaborate, but really we can't really have this conversation without the commit conversation. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a, like collaborative escalation is a, it is a tool that is really a subset of disagree and commit. That's right. Like one of the reasons why, because to me, collaborative escalation doesn't sit at the level of a cultural value, mm-hmm. like disagree and commit is it's sort of like teaching people how to not straw man a conversation, like use some of the tools from nonviolent communication or some of these other, how to have difficult conversations or mm-hmm. just, the nature of being able to communicate effectively and know what tools you have to get those points across is really, it's really important. And I think generally, this feels like one of those things that we should have all learned in school, but instead we were learning about things that were completely unrelated, like learning, (laughs) learning basic communication skills and like emotional intelligence seems, seems like something every child should know how to do. And yet we, we seem unable to do that. Yeah, I I agree. So practically speaking, is this something that we should be having as a part of the disagree and commit conversation? When we when we when we raise disagree and commit as core to us, is this one of the methods that or one of the tools in the toolkit toolkit that people need to be deploying to make sure they are always disagreeing and committing? Uh it sounds like this may not be great as a standalone concept because it kind of underpins that other thing. Yeah, I think it's I think it isn't a standalone concept, meaning I, I do think it is it is ultimately a subset of disagree mm-hmm. and commit, but but like with all of these things, that it is useful to have a strict definition of the tool itself. So I wonder we'll workshop the language for this. Mm-hmm. So the intent is we want to make sure that two people who operate in good faith, who have different goals for a project can clearly articulate and state their goals for that project, bring it to a decision maker, and then disagree and commit after that point. Typically, what happens in these things is, let's use growth and product, because in many companies, this is a common dynamic where product wants more resourcing to do these things. They want more engineers. Growth wants more resourcing and they want more engineers to do their thing. And they might each have a hundred things they need to do. So there's 200 things that we all feel like we need done and mm-hmm. we have resourcing to do nine. <laughs> and so, like, we now have to make a trade off of all right, growth, you get to do these two things and product, you get to do these seven things. Right. And we, we've got to make hard decisions across the board as is always the case in startups, but really in all companies in general. Um, And then we commit at that point. 
But I think getting to the point of where that conversation was escalated is the challenge. And I don't know how, because I, I, I want us to get to the point where it doesn't feel like escalation is a failure, where growth and product have failed at resolving their disagreements. But like I, I mentioned this to Moz recently, where if a disagreement between product and growth is not brought to me sometime this quarter, I'm going to start to get concerned because I will be worried that either product or growth is not advocating for themselves enough with something that they need. It's also possible that Tom leading growth and Moz leading product, it's possible that they are so tightly connected in terms of company goals that it doesn't need to be escalated. That would be great. That would make my job a lot easier. Yeah. But I wouldn't consider it a failure if it had to be. So so I want to surface something that's implicit in what you're saying that I think is definitely good for the whole levels team to hear and is almost certainly good for every other company out there to hear. Uh, when When I think about what are some of my concerns with the idea of collaboratively escalating to you, you mentioned the hypothetical of maybe there are 200 things that you know, one group wants to do. Uh, and so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, gosh, is Sam really wanting to have 200 new decisions to make? But what's implicit in what you're saying is you're actually not being approached very much at all for these collaborative escalation type decisions. So while it's very possible that some people may be thinking, ah, let's keep this off Sam's plate, we'll try to work this out, or I'm just going to commit and not actually give my true thoughts on it, which is just as dangerous in many ways. Uh, what they really should be doing is saying, no, Sam really wants for these things to be surfaced. If in my judgment, this is important, let's get it in front of them so we can make sure that all ideas are on the table. And Sam is asking for as many of these as is necessary. He's not bogged down by collaborative escalation discussions right now. Does that sound right? Yeah. And I would also say that a, a failure mode that I see in a lot of organizations, especially larger organizations, is instead of people will have different goals, mm -hmm. but instead of instead of surfacing early, like, hey, I don't have the resources that I need in order to do this successfully. I need more engineers. And what I often see is people don't take ownership of it and they use they use the lack of collaboration in this regard as basically an excuse. It's like, well, of course I didn't hit it because I didn't have any resources to do it. As opposed to advocating for oneself, saying, I'm not going to be able to hit these objectives unless I have these resources. Right. And then me saying, like, okay, I hear you. Either one of two things is going to happen. Either I say, okay, I hear you. Let's move somebody onto this project from one of these other projects. And hopefully that is now enough for you to hit your objective. Or we say, okay, I understand. We need to change your objectives because we don't have the resourcing available to do it on the timeline that you think is reasonable. So let's let's move the deadline out by a month. And that's actually okay. We, we had previously agreed to end of April. Let's move it to the end of May or June right. because it's okay for it to slip. We don't have the resources to, to put onto this project. And that's also okay. Uh, the failure mode is when that's not communicated. Right. And people just sort of sit back as a, basically they are a, they are a passenger and they're not taking ownership 
they're saying like, well, it's not my fault. I wasn't given the resources, but they also didn't advocate for it and they didn't escalate it as needed. So there's an ownership component to this as well. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah. And, you know, like you say, this is something that we all really should have learned. And whether we decide to collaborate or not is at its root an ownership challenge. Because I think we do all know that our best solutions to almost any problem are going to happen when we collaborate with the relevant stakeholders and hash it out and try to get it to a better place. You know, solutions don't happen when you're stuck and it stays on your table and nobody else knows about it or when you're talking to people but they aren't the people who can solve your problem. You know, that's those are not good ways to solve problems. Yeah, for sure. I'm still not super sure what the action item is on how we instill this in the team. Because one of the big focus areas this year Mm -hmm. is getting better at cross-functional coordination. It's something that we have not, we have not really done a lot of historically. Mm -hmm. And I think getting better at that is going to be super important for us to figure out what is the, what is the way in which uh, growth and product work well together or legal and product or legal and growth. There's so many of these overlaps that we need to get just increasingly better at Mm -hmm. coordination. Um, Because the in the in the super early days of the company, when our velocity was incredibly high, it was because everything was cross functional by default. Like it was either because I was doing everything or David was doing everything. The same person taking our customer support requests was the same person writing specs for the next product feature, which was also the same person who was writing the code, (laughs) who was also like reading FDA documents to understand guidelines for what language we can use. Like it was cross-functional in one or two people's heads because we only had a handful of people at the company. And then uh, as those roles have become more specialized, which is good, uh, I think we certainly last year there was not a lot of cross-functional collaboration happening. And so I, I really want that to be a goal for this year is to get better at it. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of really strong indicators right now that it's working in that direction. Mm-hmm. But this feels like a tool that is going to be really important for that to go well this year. So I, I agree with that. You know, given that we have not seen, or at least there have not been surfaced, a whole bunch of great examples of either collaborative escalation or the perfect moments where it should have been been used. You know, one, one thing that we've done in other contexts, delegation, for instance, is just encourage people to just flex the muscle. Just, you know, even if it feels a little bit like doing it for its own sake, sometimes there's a lot of benefit in just doing something for the purpose of getting comfortable with it. I wonder if there is some way to use that concept to our advantage here. Maybe it's not actually collaboratively escalating in the context of, you know, we're not talking about making up problems or making up disagreements. But when we do come to those challenging decisions, maybe it could be as simple as suppose, for example, suppose me and Riley uh, have have a disagreement on something and we end up, let's say, hashing it out. But it's the kind of thing where maybe in a slightly different world, it could have been a real legal issue. And, and I would have said we should do this and Riley said we should do that. Maybe something like requiring us to do a short one paragraph joint retro to Ms just sort of an acknowledgement that this is the process that we would have taken if we'd actually fully disagreed. It doesn't get us all the way there, but 
it is a grease the groove thing. And that is, I think, yeah. the process we would be using had we disagreed so much that it needed, you know, I guess in that case, Mrs. Uh, review. Yeah, there was a, like, we, we had something that was close to this, which was okay. Ben and Haney had a pretty mm -hmm. significant gap in right. their understanding around editorial. And they, they ended up having a long conversation that we turned into a podcast about this. But mm -hmm. that it was such a good example of how two people operating in good faith who have a disagreement can talk through this and come to a, a resolution that works for everyone. Even if it means like both sides probably won't get everything that they want out of it, but just making sure that people understand each other and to be able to commit to a path forward. So, yeah, that, that could be a good idea. It's more reinforcement, maybe in our Friday forums, maybe in our firesides, just like continually reinforcing these ideas because it's it's okay to disagree. There's um there's a book that I read a little while back. Uh, Conflict is not abuse. That's the title. It's kind of <laughs> self-explanatory what it's about is that a lot of people feel like if you disagree with somebody, if you're in conflict with them, this is like a huge problem. But it's normal. Conflict is normal. Right. There will be people with different goals, with different, not even like secret objectives to like undermine people. Just like growth has to do X, product has to do Y. Legal has to do X and marketing needs to do Y. It's normal yeah. for those objectives to be somewhat at odds and to have to figure out how to resolve those is it's a normal part of of operating. Yeah. I think those are probably good action items from this. Yeah. I, we 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 should definitely continue to think too about a reframing and um either in the meanwhile or once we come up with something, it might be worth it just to send a short survey out to reintroduce the idea, explain why we're changing the name and just get, you know, one or one or two question survey out there to see how people respond to the idea and, and purpose of it. Maybe just sure. one more opportunity to put the idea in people's heads and a way to kind of make clear that, you know, if we do change the name of collaborative escalation, it's clear that these are the same thing yeah. and the reasons why we're making the adjustment. <laughs>